0: Taylor I'm Katz.
1: and welcome to square mile of murder um hi it's been a minute <laughs> <laughs> um, one or two yeah just a, just a, a handful a casual handful of minutes um so yeah now that we've kind of uh slayed our technological demons and uh families are no longer emergent um there's Emergent. no more medical crises we can uh, hope at least yeah for now for for a couple of days <laughs>
0: um we Although, I- i'm quite impressed we did manage to time both of us having family emergencies at the same time yeah you know it's pretty efficient if you ask me and it coincided with a technological it did whatever that was
1: yeah, well, so maybe we should explain a little bit, like, I kind of hinted at it in some of the um, stuff that we did release, but basically, we recorded the 100th episode, like, two weeks before it was supposed to happen. Yeah. Um. And I went to open up the files and... <laughs> Cat's audio was fine. My audio was super not fine, (laughs) Um, (laughs) and basically, it it had like recorded at like double or triple speed, (laughs) and there was this weird like (laughs) noise over my tracks. So it was it was something that if we had released it, it would have made your ears bleed probably, Um, and thankfully we did have well i always try to record a backup track of some kind which is usually like the audio of our like skype calls when we are <laughs> recording so i did have that it just took me a while to figure out how to properly use it and get it set up so yeah it was a a learning experience um i i i'd kind of gotten lax about like checking every time i recorded that everything was fine and Mm. now i'm like back to that like episode 10 frantic uh testing (laughs) before (laughs) recording
0: thing yeah so yeah and we're also soon gonna start running out of spare episodes yeah so we're just gonna have to have nothing so now anything happens, it's 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 tough shit.
1: Well, hopefully, won't be any more major issues. But we uh, we live in hope. Yes, but yeah. So we're back, and we're back with um a new theme. Yay! And so this time we're gonna be doing some old Hollywood crimes. Um, this was gonna be. February, but
0: now it's going to be like February and March. And boy, oh boy. Did good old Tinsel Town have its fair <laughs> share of mysterious and suspicious deaths? Oh yeah.
1: I mean, always, for sure. There's a lot to choose from, and I guess we should say if we haven't picked, you know, the ones you want to hear the most, there will be time in the future. For yeah. us to revisit a bunch of these, so.
0: Tell us, and then when award season comes around next year, because that was the reason originally for doing <laughs> it in February, was like, oh, it's awards season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's talk uh, about a bunch of shady people in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, right. So, yeah, by the time awards comes around next year, we can do some more. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, so, yeah, so, unlike many of the older cases that we cover, there's, like tons of information and sources on you know a lot of these high-profile crimes and mysteries so there's lots of stores sources uh but you know in in the kind of town where money and power can make any problem go away it does mean there are also many many conspiracies and conflicting stories And cover-ups. And it's hard to sometimes tell exactly what happened. And not all sources line up with each other. (sighs) So, one of these cases with many conflicting accounts and conspiracy theories is the mystery of who killed Superman. Or at least the first actor to ever portray Superman on television, George Reeves uh and the kickoff to what many call the superman curse oh yeah uh we'd like to mention here that this episode discusses suicide so please take care of yourself while listening and know that help is always available and you can find a list of resources in the show notes for this episode
0: george reeves was born george Kiefer brewster in woolstock central iowa in january 1914 he was the son of Donald and Helen. His parents separated when George was young and he and his mother moved around the mid- Midwest for a number of years with periods in Iowa, Kentucky and Illinois before heading to Pasadena, California, where uh, when George was a teenager. He began his acting career as a teenager, studying and performing on stage at the Pasadena Junior College before going on to, going on to perform at the Pasadena Playhouse but he would soon move to the big screen. Uh, George Reeves began his film career in 1939 with Gone with the Wind, Mm. uh, where he played the role of Stuart Tarleton, Uh, but he was one of Scarlet O'Hara's suitors, although he is wrongly credited as Brent Tarleton, who was actually played by Fred Crane. They played brothers. Uh, Between filming Beginning... In January, and the film being released in December 1939, George Reeves uh, returned to the Pasadena Playhouse, was snapped up by Warner Brothers, and appeared in four films, making Gone with the Wind his first film role but fifth release. So he starred in many films throughout the next few years, signing contracts with various studios, including 20th Century Fox, Paramount, as well as the original Warner Brothers. Um, he even acted alongside future president Ronald Reagan in Smashing the Money Ring and Newt Rockney All-American. But in 1942, something happened to change the course of his life and career. So in
1: 1942, George Reeves was cast in the war film So Proudly We Hail. He played the role of Lieutenant John Summers and the film inspired him so much that he put his film career on hold and enlisted in the U.S. Army. Uh, The following year, the same year that the film came out, George was drafted into the now-defunct U.S. Army Air Forces. Uh, He also performed in the U.S. Army Air Forces Broadway show Winged Victory, and at one point was transferred to the first motion picture unit to make training films. I have to say, how Hollywood relates to like the military and the Second World War is fascinating to me because mm. it's all so like
0: out there, yeah, and well, when I was kind of reading about this, I think in like making training films, I was like, well, of course, the forces are gonna have like some kind of production yeah. unit, yeah. But you don't really think about it, do you
1: no. Uh, So after being discharged from the army at the end of the war, George returned to Hollywood, but he struggled to restart his film career uh, as Hollywood's golden age studio system began to slow down. He struggled to find many studio roles and ended up taking on a combination of low budget films and other jobs to make ends meet. In 1949, he separated from his wife, Eleonora Needles, after nine years of marriage and their divorce was finalized the following year. After separating from his wife, he moved to New York City for two years, where he found work in the emerging television industry. And when he returned to Hollywood in 1951, George Reeves was offered the role of Superman in the series Adventures of Superman, which was the first live-action adaptation of Superman for television. Reeves was reportedly skeptical about taking a role on television— Uh, because it was still an emerging industry and not as established as cinema. And certainly not uh, every home had a television like most do now. Now, although these days there's less stigma or sort of
0: we we don't know how to phrase this, but basically, yeah, like... Yeah, I think the nearest we got was maybe stigma or social stigma. Yeah,
1: like, I think it was sometime... Yeah, it's like, it's not a big deal now for serious film actors to go do t- TV, you know, which is thanks in part to, like, big-budget shows like Game of Thrones, you know multi-million dollar per episode kind of thing and streaming services um like you can go do tv and then go do movies and it's not a big deal yeah but for a long time it was a big deal (laughs) Mm. and moving from cinema to television was pretty much a one-way street and it was seen as like your career is over
0: yeah do you remember when we were doing our masters i remember one of our first television lectures with lisa mm-hmm. uh she was talking about how i think it was actually kevin spacey when he started doing how um it house of cards yeah yeah how like he was very vocal about how it's just content. It's not film and it's not yeah. television when it's on streaming. It's all content. Yes. And that part of that was because of like, there is, or until the last few years, yeah. sort of like the early days of streaming, there was still that kind of like stigma, for lack of a better word, around moving from film into television and whether you can go between the two successfully.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think what's really interesting, like, even when we were younger, it was still very much a, you had movie stars, and you had television actors, and never the twain shall meet, like, yeah, you would never see Kate Winslet on TV, except now, she's just (laughs) done a TV show. And like yeah. it's so And you would
0: never see a soap star go into a, a big budget film. Yet it happened.
1: Yeah. The whole the whole system has changed so much. It's just really interesting. I find I mean, obviously, we have degrees in this shit, so I find this stuff really interesting. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but, uh. but regardless of his own and others' concerns about the television industry and how it would affect his career, George Reeves took the plunge, and in 1951 he starred in the B-movie Superman and the Mole Men. <laughs> which I love. <laughs> which was intended not just as a B-movie, which were low-budget films that ran during the second half of a double feature, but also as kind of a backdoor pilot and promotion for the upcoming TV series. Which is pretty smart. yeah. The television show was a success, and it made George Reeves a household name and face. But it did not make him rich. <laughs> Unlike today, where being cast as the lead in like a DC or Marvel Comics adaptation would mean you're pretty much financially set for life. Back in the early days of television, you weren't paid much more than the average working class income. Not only that, but contracts for Reeves and his co-stars were incredibly restrictive because of this old studio system, which made it incredibly difficult for the actors to find other jobs in between filming Superman. Despite this, he did manage to find other work throughout the 50s, finding himself, although he found himself typecast as a superhero, and these roles were usually small parts or in heavy costumes that obscured his face so that nobody would recognize that superman was in this like film that was totally different that's that's so wild yeah and he also made personal appearances as well we'll see many stars do and according to a buzzfeed unsolved episode on george reeves because i couldn't find it anywhere else he had been a boxer in his youth and partook in exhibition rounds as a superman (laughs) <laughs> oh, i love that i would not want to be the guy who went up against no <laughs> like it doesn't matter how well you do in real life but in this exhibition bout you're going down yeah you cannot beat superman <laughs> yeah and uh, he also took his status as a role model quite seriously appearing in educational films as superman and he even quit smoking which was rare in the 50s yeah And by 1958, he had starred in over 100 episodes of Superman. So while Reeves maintained a clean-cut
1: image for the benefit of his young fans, his private life was much more complicated. And (laughs) definitely not suitable for general audiences. Um, Oh, I think that puts it mildly. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) In the early 1950s, just before the launch of the Superman... Supermission super teleman show? Uh, Why don't you try that again? Just before the launch of the Superman television show, George Reeves entered into a relationship with former showgirl and one-time actress Tony Mannix. While there's nothing immediately and obviously scandalous about a divorced actor dating a former showgirl, even back in the 50s, Tony Mannix was actually married to notorious studio executive Eddie Mannix and had been married less than a year when George and Tony's relationship began. However, their relationship was an open secret in Hollywood, and Eddie Mannix reportedly not only knew about it, but also approved of his wife's affair with George Reeves. Uh, Because, wouldn't you know it, he was also having an affair. Which was another one of Hollywood's
0: open <laughs> secrets. It's just, like, layers I, here, guys. It's like, I mean, at least, like, it's an open marriage and they're both happy. Yeah, right? Oh my
1: god, your video's back in sync. <gasps> oh, praise the lord. <laughs> um, so yeah, apparently, uh, the married couple would even holiday together with George Reeves and, uh, Manix's mistress, and the four of them were all good friends. Which is so weird, so <laughs> fucked, but it's fine.
0: You know, different strokes for different folks. I mean,
1: like, I, I guess if if it's I, and a lot of these marriages in Hollywood were kind of arranged by the studios too. So yeah. I kind of get it, but also, like, thinking about it now, it's sort of like, that's weird, Mm. guys. (laughs) But still. Um, uh, The relationship lasted until 1958, when Reeves began dating socialite Leonora Lemon from New York. And the couple planned to marry in the summer of 1959. Uh, By this time... A Superman TV show had ended and George Reeves had begun to suffer financially because during his time on the show, many of his expenses, including his car, home, and clothes had been paid for by Tony Mannix. But now that their relationship and the TV show had ended, um, and along with his struggle to find work, because everyone just saw him as Superman, his money was running out quite quickly. He had previously written a pilot for his own television show called Port of Entry, but failed to secure funding. And similarly, in 1958, he had hoped to direct a science fiction film written by a friend from the Pasadena Playhouse. But once again, he failed to secure funding for the project and it was shelved.
0: In 1959, now aged 45, George Reeves was eager to move away from his role as Superman. And there are reports that he was being considered for a role in Alfred Hitchcock's upcoming film Psycho, but that was not a sure thing, that. and it was not the lead. I can't remember; it was a, definitely like a, a supporting role. Maybe it was the detective or something. I think that's who it might have been. It wasn't like Norman. Yeah, Wade. it wasn't Anthony Perkins's role. Yeah, uh, his other option was to reprise his role as Superman for a stage show and tour Australia. <laughs> Uh, By this time, he had also allegedly become dependent on alcohol and drugs to cope with the depression brought on by his stalling career, struggled to step out of Superman's shadow, although some close to him have disputed this claim. Uh. Uh, Similarly, some close to him, including his mother, allegedly said that claims of financial issues and, you know, a career essentially in freefall were were greatly exaggerated following his death in June 1959. So, in the early hours of June 16th,
1: 1959, just days before they were supposed to be married, George and Leonora returned to George's home on Benedict Canyon Drive in West LA. And after they returned, Leonora turned on the porch light, which supposedly indicated that the home was open for visitors. Despite it being, like,
0: one in the morning. I have many questions about this system. Yeah. That supposedly, you know, you turn on the porch light and, oh yeah, come over, even if we don't know you. Uh, yeah. Like- And not only that, at one o'clock in the morning as well. Was it- would it
1: just have been, like, a signal for people who knew that it was a signal? Or was it, like, a thing that everyone knew and everyone did?
0: Well, it seemed to be at least that neighborhood, at least. Yeah. Even if it wasn't someone you were particularly friendly with.
1: Just like, come on down, guys. Mm. Yeah, that's a a weird one to me, but, you know. But
0: also, if somebody comes to my house after one in the morning... (laughs) Don't. (laughs) There better be, you know, either somebody is dead... Or I'm about to inherit a fortune, because those are the only two legitimate reasons to wake me up that. That or, like, my
1: house is currently on fire and you'd like to let me know. That's pretty much the list right there. Yeah, it's it's a thing that happened, apparently, Mm -hmm. on Benedict Canyon back in the 50s. So, who knows? So... After, you know, flipping the switch, they were joined by neighbors William Bliss and Carol Van Ronkel, Van Ronkel, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as their house guest, Robert Condon, who had not joined them for dinner and remained at the house all evening. Uh, Carol Van Ronkel was rumored to possibly be having an affair with Robert Condon. Who was staying with George and Leonora while he wrote a book about George? Uh, but William Bliss seems to have been relatively unknown to the rest of the group. He just swung by for drinks when the porch light was turned on, as you do. Uh, but George wasn't really in the mood for a party and threatened to throw their guests out, which I get because it was one a.m. Yeah, but it. I'm with him on this one. Yeah. Uh, but he soon apologized for his bad mood. Uh, but was also still irritated by the presence of other people in his home, and he left the room and headed upstairs. What happened next is the source of great controversy, and many conspiracy theories have cropped up around what actually happened that night, but we will start with the official version of events.
0: Yes, so... After George Reeves went upstairs, Leonora Lemon joked that he had gone upstairs to kill himself. Like, side note, not something to fucking joke about. No. And seconds later, a gunshot rang out. William Bliss, who remember was not a close friend, but rather just a neighbour, who neither George nor Leonora really knew, Mm -hmm. went upstairs and discovered George Reeves dead and naked, in one of the bedrooms. Now I do get that why he would be the one to go and look, because he is just an acquaintance. Yeah, like there's lower stakes for him, I guess. I could get why he would maybe be like, okay, I'll I'll go and Um, He had a gunshot wound to his right temple, and was found laid back on the bed with his feet on the ground, as though he'd been sitting down and then fallen backwards after the shot was fired a nine millimeter Luger was found at his feet and a bullet casing was found beneath his body but the bullet itself was lodged in the ceiling above his body the bullet's gone through his right temple up into the ceiling and he's fallen backwards not forwards yeah just just something to think about Now, two other bullets were later found in the wooden floor, but Leonora Lemon explained that away as she had tested the gun a few days earlier, and witnesses all reported hearing only the one gunshot. I always test my gun in my bedroom. Yeah, I totally don't go out into the backyard and shoot tin cans or anything. Or, like, literally anything
1: else. Like, Mm. I, mm, yeah, okay.
0: Officially, George Reeves was ruled to have taken his own life and died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. However, <laughs> this is where the controversy arises. Yeah. Many who knew George Reeves said
1: that he wasn't depressed and wouldn't take his own life. Um, But also, this was the 50s when mental health was not talked about as openly as it is today, which as we all know isn't
0: all that open so no so take it back even further <laughs> just reel it in yeah um, i mean nowadays it's like oh yeah we talk openly about it when it benefits somebody else
1: yeah regardless of george reeves's state of mind people have argued that there are other factors that point away from him having having taken his own life some have claimed that his body had been washed and possibly even embalmed before an autopsy could be performed, meaning that no foreign fibers or hairs were found. Um, Had George Reeves Reeves taken his own life, there would have been gunshot residue on his hands, but because his body had been cleaned, the residue was, in theory, washed away. But on the other hand, if he had been murdered, there would be no... Gunshot residue on his hands, and an autopsy would have figured that out. So, some believed that he was murdered, um and that his body was washed to solve the issue of there being no gunshot residue. But, yeah,
0: if he was murdered, who would have had the motive to kill him? Some believe that someone had lain in wait for George Reeves, and murdered him when he entered the room. However, an article from The Guardian in 2006 actually noted that the bedroom was windowless. To which I say, A. Code violation. B. That just sounds terrible. (laughs) Although, part of me is kind of like, you would get a good night's sleep. You would, it'd be dark, that's true. But then you'd have no idea what the weather was like, <laughs> you'd have no natural waking up light, yeah. it's just, there's just so many issues. Yeah. Like It's fine if you're on, like, a mini-cruise to Amsterdam. Yeah, but, like, I, I I have questions for this architect, you know? Yeah, Not for, not for your whole life, not your main bedroom. No, definitely not. But a lot has been made about this. And some point out that an assassin would have had to pass William Bliss on the stairs as they left the house. But, also, like, there were other bedrooms, so we could have, like, killed him, gone into another room, and then fled out of a window. Yeah. Um, but, William Bliss was not known. Mm-hmm. Ooh, spooky conspiracy vibes. Um... Others have pointed towards Leonora Lemon and her alleged extreme mood swings and tempers. (laughs) And a version of events claims that she went upstairs with George before the shot rang out and then ordered the guests to tell the police that that he was alone and that William Bliss was the one who found the body. But these claims are all unsubstantiated. And were actually made by Fred Crane, who was his co-star in Gone with the Wind. Hmm. who wasn't there that night. (laughs) Um, So, but yeah, these these claims are all unsubstantiated. And if it wasn't Leonora Lemon who killed George Reeves and he didn't take his own life, who was responsible? Well, other than the vague suggestion that someone was waiting for George in the room or that Leonora Lemon was the killer... The only real suspects are Eddie and Tony Mannix. Yeah. So, remember how we said that Eddie
1: Mannix was a notorious film producer? Well, producer might have been his official title, but he was also known to most in Hollywood as a fixer for MGM Studio and its founder, Louis B. Mayer.
0: Uh, Interestingly... George Reeves was never in con- under contract for MGM. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. Like, like you had five majors and three, five bigs, three little. Yeah, he was on for half of them. Yeah, but never, <laughs> never MGM. MGM. <sighs> Even though he was dating the wife of the fixer, and apparently
1: everyone was cool. Everyone was cool.
0: Was with
1: that. cool. So uh, go figure. Um. <laughs> Now, Mannix reportedly grew up with the likes of Bugsy Siegel and had many criminal contacts, including the mob, East and West Coast mob, all the mobs, all of them.
0: Yeah. I mean, the East Coast was bad enough, but you got the West Coast as well. I mean, probably down in New Orleans. Get them all in there. Maybe even Chicago. Oh, sure. Uh, Now, Bugsy Siegel, if you don't know, was a... Big player in the New York organized crime business, yeah. <laughs> and was closely affiliate- affiliated with the Five Families of the New York Mafia. Although he himself could not be a made man because he was Jewish and he was not Sicilian. Yeah. Um, but he was him and um, Maya Lansky. They mm-hmm. were both Jewish, so they couldn't technically be part of the the mob, but they were. They were part Very. of the mob. Yeah, they, they were in the mob. <laughs> um, Bugsy Siegel was also one of the driving forces behind the Flamingo Hotel, which was one of, if not the first hotel in Las Vegas. Yeah, Because uh, gambling and prostitution was legal in Nevada. Oh, sure is. And someone had to take advantage of it. Gotta do it. It's, uh, <laughs> that is the
1: prime place. For yeah. Yeah, for a mob type organization.
0: And he himself suffered a very mysterious yes. death. Yes. Well, it's not mysterious, he was shot in the head. I mean yeah. the question arises around who did it. <laughs> yeah, there's that. <laughs> I mean I mean it's an occupational hazard of being in the mob. Yeah. It's not an not
1: uncommon way to die when you're running with those mm. types. Um So, yeah, in his role as a fixer, Mannix, uh, reportedly had covered up all kinds of scandals, including extramarital affairs, abortions, even sexual assault allegations against some of the studio's stars. And supposedly he had the connections to make people and problems disappear or, you know, drop dead. Um, or possibly both.
0: Yeah, uh jimmy Hoffa, mm-hmm. yeah disappeared and i think it's fair to say probably died the same day Pro- yeah probably i'd say so uh
1: now although mannix had been supportive of tony's relationship with george reeves he was said to be angry when the relationship ended this is all so backwards <laughs> yeah <laughs> just you just gotta roll with uh. it Now, Tony was heartbroken by the separation and Reeves' new relationship with Leonora Lemon, so Eddie took revenge on George for breaking his wife's heart. In the months leading up to his death, George Reeves had also suffered a number of accidents, including a suspicious car accident where his brake fluid had been drained.
0: Uh, Side note, Eddie Mannix's first wife, uh, Bernice, had died in a car accident in 1937. And some believed that Mannix was actually responsible for her death because he was a good Catholic who didn't believe in divorce and Bernice wanted out of the marriage. Such a good Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> Again, all allegations, nobody knows for sure, and Bernice's death was officially ruled an accident. Mm,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the biggest supporter of the idea that George Reeves had been murdered was Tony Mannix, who rang up Phyllis Coates just hours after his death, claiming that he had been murdered. Uh, Phyllis Coates played Lois Lane opposite George Reeves in The Adventures of Superman, and they had remained friends after the show ended. I'm going to read that sentence again. They had remained... You
0: finished early. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they had remained... <laughs> They'd remained friends after the show ended. Although the other suspect in conspiracies oh my god. (laughs) Conspiracy conspiracy theories. Um although the other suspect in conspiracy theories about George Reeves's death is Tony herself, with some suggesting that she'd used her husband's criminal contacts to have George killed as revenge for leaving her she had previously stolen his pet dog just to hurt him it
0: hurt george not the dog yeah Thank, not the dog thankfully. the dog was fine as far as we know yeah let's hope tony manix allegedly confessed on her deathbed that she and eddie had arranged george reeves murder but as it was on her deathbed no further information is known about how they did this or who actually pulled the trigger Or if it's even true, or just somebody made it up. (laughs) Uh, The Mannixes, mainly Eddie Mannix, also served as the inspiration for the 2014 Coen Brothers film Hail Caesar. Uh, And that is the story of George Reeves and the mysterious death of Superman.
1: Yeah. Thoughts? I was going to say, what do you think happened?
0: (laughs) um i don't know i do have some thoughts though because like there's always conspiracy theories arise when there's a high profile death especially when someone takes their own life yeah i know it's a, a different sort of uh uh context but when uh jeffrey epstein died mm-hmm. everyone was like oh my god he couldn't have killed himself someone else did it so he couldn't tell the truth and i'm like a rich guy who's got away with everything his whole life is about to be convicted or at least go to trial as the uh, one of the biggest paedophiles in America's history, highest profile, so many links to so many other people. You think he's going to have an easy ride in prison? Mm. Hell no. Of course it makes sense that he took his own life. Yeah. Whether he did or not, obviously, it will be debated for years to come, yeah. But everyone was so, like, nobody was willing to accept that he would take his own life. It's like, really? You don't think he could take his own life, given what was about to happen to him? Yeah. So it, and I'm like, any any high profile death. There's so many conspiracies. Princess Diana, yeah. Um, did you know, Marilyn Monroe? Mm-hmm. Similar time period. You know, all... So, I don't know what happens. I think it's... You know, I don't know a lot about bullet trajectory, but I find it strange that the bullet is in the ceiling, but the shot went through his head, and he felt... like Yeah. That confuses me. Like, because I would have thought for the bullet to go upwards, he would have ended up falling forwards. Or at least to the side and not flat on his back. Yeah. Um but again, people look for conspiracy theories where none exist. Yeah, for sure. And they look for cover ups where none exist. I should say. So I don't really know. Yeah. What do you think? I think the
1: weirdest part is the three bullets. Like Yeah. That's just strange. And it just seems awfully convenient that the story of, well, I I was testing our gun just a few days Mm. before, and some bullets lodged themselves in our bedroom floor. Like, that's weird. But also, you know,
0: weird stuff happens. Well, also, like she so there's the first gunshot if you're like they've all been drinking yeah there's a gunshot there's a panic yeah is it possible to have like been in such a panic that you wouldn't have heard you don't notice there's another two shots possible or that maybe you're not sure and then when you're talking about like someone's running through events later they're like oh there was a gunshot and blah blah blah." and so you think oh well maybe i just imagined it yeah or even like if they
1: were in close enough succession could have sounded like one you know if it was like yeah two shots quickly went into the floor Mm. but i guess if someone was there in the room with him I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like I want to I want to be like, nah, this was it just like stuff doesn't line up. And uh, to me that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that someone murdered him, but it just seems like the no. facts are like in the wrong order or something's been left out or mm-hmm. something. But yeah. It's all a bit hinky, but I I don't quite know why, I guess.
0: Yeah. It yeah, like you said, it seems like there's something missing information wise, but don't know what. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. So yeah. Uh one thing I did find interesting doing the research is almost all the sources like line up. Unlike a lot of like really old and high profile cases where there's so many conflicting versions of events, uh-huh. everything lines up except for like these conspiracy theories about who pulled the trigger. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's all my thoughts. I don't have many thoughts on this. No, it's it's yeah. It's just one of those that's
1: like it like eats at the back of your mind. Because you just Mm. turn it over and over and over in your head. But I feel like I always come to the
0: same conclusion of, like, it could go either way. Yeah. Actually, another thing I just thought of, like, so he was seen as, like, this great role model for kids. And, like, at a time when mental health was not talked about and, you know, depression or taking your own life was seen as, like, serious weakness Mm -hmm. and not, like... A thing that happens and you need help for it's also possible that people would prefer to come up with this theory that someone murdered him, oh, rather yeah. than believe that this person they built up is like on a pedestal as this great um, role model for children, just a person. would just actually take their yeah, own life. Yeah,
1: No, I could see that too. I mentioned it at the top of the show, but this is the beginning of the Superman curse. Quote, unquote. Oh, yeah. Um, Which is kind of, you know, it held a lot of water up until about 2010 or something, I'd say. But since then, there have been a lot more people involved in Superman productions that have not mysteriously died or gotten in terrible accidents. But I guess we Mm. should do a quick rundown but basically the big ones are George Reeves. Yeah. Mysterious Death. Christopher Reeve. No relation. <laughs> who uh yeah. who played Superman in the films in like the seventies and
0: eighties. Um, so I've got the Wikipedia page for the Superman curse. Yeah. So, so Christopher Reeve portrayed him in four theatrical films from 1978 to 1987. Yeah. And he was paralyzed in a horseback riding accident in 1995 and died nine years later from heart failure at the age of 52. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Kirk
1: Allen was another actor who played Superman in some low budget films in the 40s, but couldn't find work because everyone saw him as Superman. Mm. Um, so is he a voice actor
0: then? It says low budget serials. Oh, maybe it was, um... He, Kirk Allen was an American actor best known for being the first actor to play DC Comics character Superman in live action oh. for the 1948 movie serial. Okay. So, so it was film serial rather than a TV yeah, series. Okay. I was getting confused because I was thinking, George, I thought George Reeves was the first one. <laughs> yeah. But he was the first on television. Yeah. Lee Quigley... Played Superman as a baby in the 1978 film. He died in '91 at the age of 14 from solvent abuse. Yeah, that's not nice. No. Huh? Then we have George Reeves, Christopher Reeve, um, other alleged victims: Marlon Brando. Yeah. He played. So he played Jor-El in the 1978
1: film, which is Superman's father.
0: I am not very well versed on the Superman universe, so... Jor-El is Superman's biological father from Krypton. Um... So he's cited for the misfortune he suffered in his private life, uh, such as his son shooting his half-sister's boyfriend in 1990 and a five-year imprisonment. Uh his own admission in court that he failed his son and daughter his daughters took her own life in 95 and he then became a recluse yeah
1: um and yeah there's like a, a handful of other things here the yeah. one i found really interesting was jerry siegel and joe schuster created superman the comics And they sold it to DC Comics for, like, a very small amount of money compared to what it would go on to make. And basically, Mm -hmm. um, Siegel basically lived in destitution for most of his life until DC threw them both a bone and gave them a... like a monthly pension or yearly pension or something. Yeah. But, uh, oh, and then another one that we know all about. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, good old Allison Mack, who played mm. a character in Smallville, the the Superman TV show from the WB in, like, the early 2000s. <sighs> yeah. Listen to episode seventy-one.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, good. I had no idea what number it was. Uh, uh, basically the cult episodes. Yes. Just go
1: through them. Uh Nexium is the main one she features in. But mm. uh yeah, it's um it's not great. But no. Yeah, I just think it's interesting. which like it's kind of to me the Superman curse is kind of like the Kennedy curse um where like it oh it does seem like everything bad happens to this one family or everything bad happens to people involved in this tv franchise or whatever but there's tons of superman adaptations so there's tons of people who work mm-hmm. on them so there's a higher likelihood yeah. that someone's going to befall you know a terrible fate just like there are tons of Kennedys, so, so also the
0: like statistically, the Kennedys were in bed with them all. I mean, yeah, that significantly reduces your life expectancy. The Kennedys were in bed with everyone. What, why do I like? I'm in, not here to slut shame the
1: Kennedys <laughs> in literally every way possible. <laughs> but like. I mean, the the fact of their associations and the fact that there are just buckets of Kennedys. They are – the world is lousy with them. They are everywhere. And so Mm. you have that many people and they're in the public eye. You're going to notice more bad things happening to this one subset of people
0: as is the same with the Superman thing. So like – I don't know. Yeah, and it's, like, loads of uh, horror films as well. Yeah. Like, oh, horror films are cursed because a bunch of people died? Well, people die. Yeah. It's a really sad fact of life. And so, uh, Brendan Lee yep. was shot with a railgun instead of a prop gun yep. on the set of The Crow. The Crow. And someone else on who worked on The Crow also died. And someone who worked on The Exorcist died mysteriously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but... Like that happens. the 70s and 80s well 60s, 70s and 80s there were so many horror films being made Yeah, some of them truly shocking <laughs> you know but there's like an abundance of like Superman adaptations and other comic book adaptations there's so many of them Yeah, if you want to like look at it want to put your tin hat on and look at it like that of course yeah, you can... you're going to see connections everywhere because that happens yeah, like if you're looking for People the die. connections, you'll find them. Yeah, it it's like confirmation bias. Yeah. If you're looking for it, of course you're going to find it. But also, conspiracies. So, I mean, I love a good conspiracy, but I don't believe in like the superman no. curse or whatever. Like, kind of like it's, you know,
1: a series of unfortunate coincidences.
0: Hmm. but I don't think there's um, anything else to it nah so yeah um let us know what you think yeah,
1: happened please do um, and if you know if you happen to attend Tony Mannix's deathbed confession let us know what she <laughs> said I want to know Yeah. (laughs) Um, And uh, once you've done that, once you've relayed that information to us, uh, if you like the show, you should go rate and review us on your podcast app, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. And you should subscribe so you never miss a new episode, whether it be Florida Man or Old Hollywood. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We, We cover everything. We got it all, really guys um or six no 16th century witches 15th century
0: witches forget 12th century century century? witches
1: old witches (laughs) basically um Mm -hmm. so yeah you should do that and if you want to get some square mile merch um we have some new Merch designs on Yay. some 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 products, and and you can buy them and and wear them on your person or hold them in your hand. Um, so if you want to take a look at those, there's a link in our show notes and on our website, or you can go to SquareMileOfMurder.store. So check them out. <sighs> And
0: if you'd like to help us cover the costs of making the podcast and help us invest in the future of the show, create our production company, go on our trip to the Espionage Museum in Berlin, go to Bletchley Park, <laughs> what have I missed? We have lots like literally of we need money for. <laughs> uh, you can join our Patreon page. Uh, tiers start at just £1 per month. Every patron gets regular episodes a day early, a shout-out on the show, priority case requests, and a lifetime discount on merch. And that's just for £1 a yeah. month. As the tiers go up, you get even more, including bonus episodes and exclusive merch that you can't buy anywhere. So check all that out at patreon.com forward slash square mile of murder. Links are in all the usual places. Yeah. Um, And we and, uh, will be back... With
1: more old Hollywood shenanigans. So, uh, we'll see you then. Yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.